city. It's a magnet that seems to attract the young. Teenage runaways from all over the country end up here. A life free from parents, schools, responsibility. The hippie life. A world of psychedelic posters and faddish outfits. To the hippies, the rest of the world is square. They're young people looking to change the future. Like others, sometimes they get a little over-anxious, and when they do, I go to work. I carry a badge. It was Friday, June 5th. We were working the day watch out of Frauds Division, Bunko Section. The boss is Captain Lambert. We checked in for work at 6 p.m. Now, you all know what's happened. That's why we're here, as a precautionary measure. Now, just remember this. A lot of people in the department and out are doing their best to keep any disturbances from starting. Now, we can help. First, the chief wants no excessive show of force. Second, don't base any decisions on rumors. Some pretty wild ones are floating around right now. Check everything out before you act. And stay alert. That's about all I can tell you. That's another thing to remember, boys and girls. Whenever you get into real trouble, go to your nearest police officer or sheriff. You'll find him a real friend in need. I don't like cops. Sometimes he agrees with the caller, other times he sets... Cats all over the world are protesting. Uh, 
cats all over the world are protesting. My whole social group is like protesting. We're angry young men and we're all protesting. You better give me every cop you've got on the south side. I don't care where ABC parks their truck as long as it doesn't block the fire trucks. Jesus, this protest is getting out of hand. All right, what exactly are we dealing with? It's not good. The protest has quadrupled in size since this morning. As you can see from this aerial photograph, the protest now covers almost two square miles. We have riot officers here, here, and here. The media has been contained to this area. And where are the actual protesters? Oh, these two people right here. How are we gonna contain this thing? I'm afraid it's about to get worse. You see this area here? This is where we're setting up the stage for Bon Jovi. Bon Jovi? These are good cops. We can't have them standing around for hours without some entertainment. The problem is, with this area blocked by napping tents, we have no place to serve the officers beer. Damn it! Don't these protesters know what this is all heading towards? Full-on class warfare. If you're a human being, then you reserve the right to complain, to protest. If you give up that right, then you cease to exist. I don't want to cease to exist. I, I think that's really one of the, the things that, uh, that really defines life, is namely the absence of life. And I mean death. So let's talk about death for a minute. Because um, for a while now, I feel that this country has been on a death trip. And I don't mean the good kind. It's Chris T. on thehoundnyc.com with aerial view, a phone-in talk show. 760-422-5528 is the number here. 760-I-CALL-AV. And in just a little bit, uh, welcome, longtime friend Richard Egan of the Coney Island Hysterical Society to compare 1968 to 2020. Who was worse, Nixon or Trump? I mean, I have my opinions, but I'm sure you have yours. If you'd like to share them, 760-422-5528. we got a little bit of time. Before we speak to Richard Egan, houndnyc.com is where you can hear the Hound Howl on Sundays at uh, 3 p.m. And then uh, followed rather quickly Sundays at 5 p.m. by Crash in the Park. And I've got some exciting news to announce, by the way. Worldwide exclusive here on the houndnyc.com. Uh, due to popular demand, there will be Hound t-shirts. Those will be available shortly. And uh, in a few days, when you go to thehoundnyc.com, you should see up there at the top, the tippy top, you should see a place where you can order a shirt. Oh, these are going to be the shirts of the summer. Wait till you see them. Crisp, white, and red on a lightweight black all cotton t-shirt. Only $25, friends. That's a clothing bargain. And I believe the shirts are made in the US. It gets better. But let's go back to death. Cuz it's something we've all been thinking about a lot lately. I mean, death is all around. You know, fuck love is all around. What was that, the theme song? Love is all around. Oh, yeah, Mary Tyler Moore. Right, we just watched it last night. We watched a very bizarre Mary Tyler Moore from, I don't know, 1976. It had to be, because they made a reference to Charlie's Angels in Mary Tyler Moore. So when the hell did that go on the air? When did the era of Jiggle TV begin, is my first question to you here on Aerial View. Live. Phone in, talk radio every Friday night, 6 p.m. Eastern Time. Replays Tuesdays at 6 p.m. on the Hound NYC. And uh, in between those, it becomes a podcast available wherever you get your podcasts. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, all that crap. But back to death. I think uh, it's fair to say that I've been obsessed with death for a long time. Think about it, contemplate it, worry about it, wonder about it. Uh, most of all, I've always said this, I don't want to see it coming necessarily. I don't want the slow, the long, slow decline, you know? Kind of like what America's going through now, this long, 
slow decline into meaninglessness to this country that's defined by its hatreds where you can't even wear a fucking mask anymore without some douchebag thinking it makes you a pussy. How did we get here? Well, back to death. I believe that the GOP is a death cult. And I've always felt this way. And uh, I know there are supposed to be good Republicans. I just don't know who they are. Are they starting finally to break away from this madness? Are they starting finally to say enough is enough? There's dribs and drabs. We see inklings. But then today, our president says something about how George Floyd would be looking down and happy about the jobs numbers. I mean, what the fuck? Who says that? What kind of insensitive, malignant narcissist says such a thing? Corrupt criminal, incompetent, immoral person says such a thing. And I keep thinking, are we going to get through this? Can we get to the other side? Will we get to the other side? And then I imagine the GOP, their secret balls in their ballrooms gliding around to the eyes wide shut waltz. Yes, I know, it's got a real name. I don't remember it. So what? It's end times, I tell you. It's end times. You know, I thought I was being clever when I started making these ads for Aerial View that said live end times talk radio. And it's, it's actually beginning to feel that way beginning to feel like end times but you know philosophically we're all in our own end times we all will end and I, I'm trying to be like I'm trying to start practicing the Buddhist approach to the to the to the final journey because death is all around death is all around no need to take it you could have a town. Why don't you know that was written by Sonny Curtis of the Crickets? Yes, the Crickets, Buddy Holly's band. Sonny Curtis wrote that song, and for all the prizes, what other song? 760 422 5528. 760 I Call AV. We got a, a minute or two before I check in with tonight's uh, swellness check. That would be Richard Egan, who I've known, I think, since 1986. Maybe he can confirm or deny that. I don't really, uh, I think, but I don't, I don't really know. But he is uh, going to talk about 1968 versus 2020 as someone who was cognizant and uh, of maturity in that year. I think he might have been 18 or something like that. Don't rightly know. I'm going to try to dial him right now. This is such a catchy waltz. I like a good waltz. I even like Christopher Waltz. He's a London calling. London calling from the faraway towns. I was singing a new song tonight. I was singing Death is All Around to the tune of Love is All Around from the Mary oh, really? Tyler Moore show. Yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. I was just reading about a white couple on the Upper West Side who were arrested for sitting on their stoop after curfew. Why? They were doing what now? What did they do now? They had the the nerve, the unmitigated gall, you might even say, to sit on their stoop. Well, we, we can't have you know, that the kind property, of thing. The property that is private that we are all pledged to protect at all costs. I'm getting a little sick of this whole game that's been being played on us all these years. What about you? Are you sick of this? <laughs> Richard I'm Egan. sick and tired and I don't want to take it anymore. I'm mad as hell. Yeah, that's what I meant. Yeah. Yeah. If you want to yeah. yell it out the window, go right ahead. I'll I'll wait here. If you want to go to your window. No, I I think I'll I'll probably just break hey, another law here. Where I'm are you on this whole banging of the pots and pans at 7 p.m.? Because I'm kind of wishing it you know it was over by now. I feel like it's more for the people who were banging the pots and pans than it is for the first responders, the emergency medical technicians. I, I think it's. You know, families with kids, and they want to do something fun at 7 o'clock. And I'm just like, 
when is this going to end? <laughs> well, yeah, but uh, whether it does something beneficial for the people who are doing it or the kids who say, why are we doing this, and then have it explained to them is uh, more to the point, I think, in a funny way. All right. Unless, you know, first responders are coming home wearily from their extremely dangerous jobs and hearing their neighbors cheer for them. I suppose that's, a, you know, it's another aspect. I, I guess. I think maybe I'm just a curmudgeon. That could be it. I'll, I'm willing Chris to admit. Chris T., a curmudgeon? That's possible. I'm going to look into it after the show. But right now I wanted to talk to you because I'm, I was trying to remember earlier how long we have known each other. And I, I think we met in 1986 or 87. Do you remember? Yes, I do. It was right. 1987. Okay. Uh, because we were both cast in a production of Kid Twist at Coney Island, USA. Yeah. Interestingly right. enough, we both uh, performed on the Atlantic Ocean. Right there on the Atlantic Ocean. Yeah, that's right. Uh, and you played Finkel the waiter, which who was a uh, a key player in this in the whole melodrama. I had a number of key <laughs> scenes, and I played a number of characters. I also played Creep Rat and a few other characters. I was. Well, I don't remember. All I remember is you saying, uh, "Lunchtime, cheese blintzes." I tell you what, I think I delivered that stuff, don't you? I del- I delivered those lines. I, I was, in a way, I almost couldn't go on after. <laughs> it's uh, follow that. And you played Abe Kid Twist Rellis, who was famously yeah, thrown from a window of the Half Moon Hotel on the boardwalk in Coney Island to his death for, uh, what, being a rat? Thinking on somebody? Well, you know what they say, especially in the 30s and the 40s. He could sing like a canary, but he couldn't fly like one. I like that expression. And he, the, the, the um, play, which was written by Len Jenkins, posits that the cops that were sworn to uh, protect him, because he was going to turn state evidence, he was going to testify, and they uh, threw him out the window because they were paid off by the mob. That's the uh, gist of it. That's, uh, I mean, isn't that a common scenario? You know, I think in the 30s and 40s, it was happening like every few days in Coney Island. They were throwing guys from the yeah, uh-huh. It's raining mobsters. So uh, I think, you see, I... A, you can make a tune out of that. I have a dim memory that I met you prior to that while you were actually doing the Florida Shark Show. Because I... Oh my, I, well. I came to Coney Island one very hot, like, June or July or August night. And, and yep. it, you know, and um, I went to go see I, Wild Girls Go-Go-Rama. And I'm pretty sure I stopped and watched the whole Florida Shark show that you were doing the ballet for. Trying to turn well, the tip, as they say. If you went to Coney Island in midsummer to see uh, the fabled Erica Wild Girl Peterson's, uh, what was it called? Uh, Go-Go Rama. Go-Go Rama. Then, of course, you would have stopped to see. Uh, I was a compelling figure up on the ballet, of course. I know. It was uh, something to see. I'm glad I saw it. I mean, I'm glad, you know, I've had this longtime connection with Coney Island, but I'm also especially glad that it brought me in contact with people like you and, and Dick Ziggin and a whole bunch of other folks who were worthwhile people. Just saying. Well, uh, we were... Uh, Dick wanted to be... Um, he called uh, Lily Santangelo, at the, uh, the proprietor of the World in Wax, uh, Grandma Moses on Acid. And when he first got to Coney Island, he realized that uh, most of the people working down there were, uh, you know, half crazy. And that's what he wanted to do. He wanted to grow up and grow old as a crazy Coney Island guy. And by God, he's done it. I would say he has succeeded at that very thing. He's uh, still out yeah. there doing his weekly addresses because of the age of uh, coronavirus at yeah. ConeyIsland.com. You could see uh, the permanently unelected mayor's right. speeches, uh, updates from Coney Island. There's not going to be a mermaid parade this year. It's a little upsetting because uh, it would have been two weeks from tomorrow. There would have been a gathering last year, 800,000 people, the New York Parks Department, New York Police Department estimates. And it was just a glorious time. If if we have to go off on a high note, go out on a high note, that that's the one. 
Uh, well, uh, let's let's not forget New York City Pride. Which New York City Pride also canceled. Off, now, off for this year, and I think we beat you in numbers uh, last year, by the way, because it was the 50th anniversary of the Stonewall Rebellion. I have no doubt. Uh, yeah. It's funny because I was thinking about all the yearly events that I take part in that won't be happening, you know, and sometimes oh, that's yeah. how you mark time, and then you can lose sort of... You could lose track of time because you're thinking, well, you know, uh, May is rolling around. The Mermaid Parade's right around the corner. I got to get ready. And uh, right. now, what about and you? You're, Any... build, you're building your costume for Mardi Gras for next year, right? Oh, wait a minute. Oh, no, we don't have that. Yeah. I know. What about Sorry. you? Are you losing any yearly events? Things that you would have been going to by now, or uh... planning to go to, or no? Yeah, I think I'm probably not going to, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm sorry to in, interject this uh, as we're heaping praise upon Coney Island and its inhabitants and actors, but I am sorely going to miss going to Knobles Grove in Elysburg, Pennsylvania to ride on the, uh, the bobsled, the flying turns. I got so jealous when I saw the pictures you put on Facebook of oh, man, uh, I'm telling you. that trip you took but a few years I, back. I'll also be... I was very vexed uh, to not take a, my annual, probably I take about six of them, uh, ride on the Mighty Cyclone roller coaster. And it hasn't uh, crushed a vertebrae yet? No crushed vertebrae? No, I find okay. it, uh, I find it uh, sort of chiropractic in a funny way. Yeah. I know, you know a guy. You get a little tense and stiff, and you get off, and you're just, you know, you could be poured into a gelatin mold, I'm telling you. My friend, Chris Butler, who was on the show a few weeks ago, I talked to him about Kent State. He was at Kent State. He lost a friend at, at, yeah. at Kent State. But he uh-huh. told me one time, I remember him telling me one time that the cyclone permanently ruined his back, that he went on a cyclone, and his back was never the same after that. And I was like, damn. <laughs> That that's terrible. I that's I terrible. Think that's a common it's a common complaint, or possibly it's you know like urban legend. Get on the cyclone, and your your back will never be the same. Your I don't back know. will never well, be quite the same. Well, I'm sorry, uh, sorry for his back. Now, 1970 was quite a year um, in American history. Again, May 4th, 1970, there was, and and it, it was the 50th anniversary. I want to talk to Chris Butler because of the 50th anniversary of Kent State, and and it was sad to right. know that the survivors uh, wouldn't be able to gather and commemorate oh. such a big event, 50 years since that time, when National Guardsmen turned their weapons on college students and right. and shot them. And um, but then uh, they today, did it once they can do it again. Yeah, and I, I, I think that we're entering this phase yet again. Where, and, and I guess that's why there's a lot of resonance right now between Donald Trump and Richard Nixon. Richard Nixon, some people are, argue, is coming out looking pretty good from all of this because at least <laughs> at least he resigned. And he also, um, you may disagree with his leadership, but he was a competent leader. He wasn't incompetent. He did, well, he didn't have the sense of, inflated omniscience that Trump seems to have, that he can do anything and he will do anything. I mean, Nixon sort of played Watergate and uh, all that stuff notwithstanding. He sort of played within the general constitutional (laughs) framework of behavior, I think. Also back then, Republicans would have most definitely uh, voted to impeach uh, even a president of their own party, they had a conscience. They oh, they yeah. had ethics. It wasn't, a, yeah. it wasn't like the solid blue wall like the cops are. Of course, that's that's what the Republican Congress is like. You know, solid blue line. So let's talk about cops for a minute because I started. Oh, they're supposed to be red, aren't they? Who is isn't the right supposed to be red these days? I guess so. Yeah, what, red state, blue time, state. Young feller, the left was red. You know, they flipped it on its head, it seems to me. You're right, because the left, you know, reds were commies and, you know, Antifa is supposed to be commies, I guess, uh, apparently. Um, Anyway. 1970, let's go back uh, a couple of years to 1968, because you were also involved in a a famous event uh, of the quote-unquote counterculture late 60s, and that would be the the Columbia takeover, takeover of Columbia University in 1968. And, uh, Chairman so, and Peabody are here, by the way. I'm glad 
Who are they? Who are Sherman and Peabody? Are they cats, by any chance? Uh, no, those yeah. are the people uh, uh, that had the Wayback Machine. Oh, the, the I rem- Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's funny. I actually have a... You mean the Pat Ward cartoon? Yeah, now I remember. Uh, the, the Rocky and Bullwinkle show. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Uh, At any rate, let's, let's uh, continue. The, uh, <laughs> the 1968, the Columbia Takeover, what, how long did that go on, and what was the... Uh, the, the outcome and I mean I was in 1968 I was I was I would have been six years old by the time the election rolled around but I was most of that year I was five years old I don't remember anything about 1968 so uh-huh. do you <laughs> do I remember something about 1968 yeah do you remember yes, anything do. about 1968 yeah. I know don't tell me then I wasn't there blah 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 <laughs> you remember it then you, that means you weren't there um, I never bought into that, so I think uh, I bet you have no, a pretty no, good no. memory. I bet you have a mind like a steel trap. I bet. No, as a matter of fact, there are probably many more people who could go into the details uh, and the dates in that period. But uh, I remember it quite well. I lived. Too bad I didn't phone I didn't... them. I phoned you. Now what? <laughs> It had really interesting uh, cultural changes going on, and uh, there was a tremendous political upheaval. Yeah, and I was in the middle of all that. So, so uh, what about... Know, I had just... What, okay, ask your question. No, 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 go ahead. I'm sorry. I'll stay quiet. Um, well, no, just... Uh, I had recently sort of been an actor and I stopped acting in the mid 60s went back to school at Columbia and about the same time in late 66 this may be a little off the point but I'm telling you anyway um, I met some old friends from uh, high school and we all got high together in a serious way and uh, I got introduced to Bob Dylan for the first time also, the Beach Boys uh, mid '60s music turned on to that at the same time, but that's off, that's off the, off the track. Uh, so the you know the combination of uh, uh, drugs and Bob Dylan and sex and rock and roll, I mean, really had a profound effect on me and just sort of changed my life. And I was just registering at Columbia, and uh, the whole world of academia opened up to me. I had been a crappy student, but I hear I was going back to school at Columbia and loving it. And uh, then uh, I met this woman uh, who became my wife, my children's mother. And we struck up a relationship and we were uh, living together when the call came that the Columbia University campus had been taken over by students. Uh, And it was over issues having to do, well, it was sparked by the fact that the university had plans to build a gymnasium in Morningside Park, um, and a part that's a park that at that time was like largely used by the black community, and they were going to build this gym there uh, to serve the Columbia campus and the, and the the white community on the other side of the park. Um, so, so after some pressure, they were pressured to like put a back door in it, but the uh, black students took over Hamilton Hall and uh, the white students followed and people who had been influenced by the SDS uh, philosophy that came out of Ann Arbor. Um, I mean, quickly an SDS chapter formed there and uh, the, the strike expanded in a, a, a big political way. And now that's were... the Students for a Democratic Society. Is that what that is? Students for a Democratic Society, yes. Uh, completely sort of student-run student, student run, um, organization to organize around the principles of anti-imperialism, uh, uh, economic issues, uh, the issue of racism, and everything else. I mean, they were the most progressive student organization in the country. And you were a member at some point? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. As a matter of fact, I I have uh, Andrea, my late wife's SDS card, signed by Mark Rudd, who was uh, often cited as like the president of SDS, at least in New York. You know, 
Now, what about Tom Harden? Would he have uh, Hayden? I'm sorry. Would he have been involved as well with SDF? Tom Hayden. Uh, uh, he was active in California. Okay. Um, he was a founder of SDS, um, but I really can't tell you much about Tom Hayden. That's quite all right. I, um, I wanted, you know, I, I wanted to just get a feel for you about what time, if you remember, like now versus 1968, feels felt more menacing. Like, did you feel did what you f- felt more this or that? This or that? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, Colin Ferdini. No, That's right. I just, you just made me think of it. Go ahead. What was which that? Era? Are you saying sounds more menacing? I'm, t- I'm t- comparing now to 1968. Right. I think like right, we're yeah, living. No, but go ahead. I think we're living through a menacing time. I feel like now, of course. Yeah. This is here's the thing, here's the deal, and you can say this to a young person and blow their minds. In uh, the 60s and into the early 70s, there were four assassinations. They were burning uh, children in their beds in Vietnam and so forth and so on. Uh, but it feels worse now. The My Lai Massacre was 1968. Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, um, so, yeah, it was a uh, bad. it, was but it bad. feels worse now because uh, there is, a very sophisticated apparatus at work in the Congress and sort of like in the intelligence community and so forth. And, uh, you know, we're stuck. Look, the curfew is at eight o'clock here tonight. And, um, I looking online and I see a whole group of people from this neighborhood have been gathering at ninth street and seventh Avenue, which is not far from here. Now I'm 78 years old. Uh, I'm in pretty good physical condition, but nonetheless, and I was thinking I'm going to join those people. That's the least I can do is break curfew and go to that corner with a sign that says something like Black Lives Matter or, you know, black people make my comfort possible or something. And then I was looking at the people who were arrested uh, on their front stoop on the Upper West Side. And I do not want to be arrested and put in a slammer uh, because of the COVID issue. You'll get it. You'll get it in the slammer. Well, you know, I don't want to be put in a slammer and run the risk of uh, being thrown into a pool of, you know, coronavirus. Who knows? You know, Uh, the last thing you want to do is be in a small holding cell with eight other people. I find this time that we're going through right now to be deeply fraught. For me, every day is sort of like navigating the day, figuring out yep. like how to, like we went to the doctor yesterday. We got some right. uh, antibody we tests. We got the shingle shot because who the hell wants the shingles? And Not me. And I'll tell you, it was like a whole production number. You got to think about everything you're doing now. So you don't, oh, yeah. you don't catch it. You don't get it. Uh-huh. Well, yeah, you yeah. got to live in a, it's like living in a different atmosphere altogether. You know, it's like you have to breathe differently. You're right. It's sort of like yeah. visiting another planet. This country very much, very much feels like another planet right now. And, you know, when you used to say to people, like, do you live on another planet? Do you remember that expression? What do you yes, live on that, another? Yeah, that, like a guy yeah. from Brooklyn would be like, what do you live on another planet? You know? Yeah, some people would say it that way. Yeah. That's right. And, uh... I, I I do feel like I live on another planet. Like if somebody, if some guy from Brooklyn or Long Island was, hey, what do you live on another planet? I would be, I feel like I do. I, f- I do feel like I live, like what is this place? This is the undiscovered country, Richard Egan. And I don't like it. I don't like it, it at all. It is the undiscovered country. Well, I am myself uh, sort of uh, visiting an undiscovered country. I mean, personally, because of my trans nature and, uh, you know, a non-binary nature. And uh, it is. It's like uh, undiscovered country, and it's scary. Now, so you know, you were way ahead of your time with the whole uh, non-binary thing. I mean, you. everyone else caught up to you. It's like when I was a fat kid in school, and now everybody's fat. You know what I mean? <laughs> they, they caught up to us. You're a trailblazer, I and I don't mean like from Portland. I mean you're a trailblazer. I, 
Well, yeah, except that I was not public, so you know who the hell was influenced by me? Nobody. Uh, when did you go public? Would you say? I was. I've been a crossdresser for thirty years. I don't know. It's a long story, which we won't go into. But well, um, I just remember before I, we got married, you called me up and you asked if it would be okay to present oh, right. as a woman at our wed at our right. wedding, and I said, "Okay, right, right. you damn well better." What are you talking about? Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, but don't be catching a fucking bouquet. You know what I mean? Yeah. What are you from another <laughs> planet? Yeah. Yeah. That's right. I'm from another planet. So this is a very uh, very fraught time. Yeah, but you and have... uh, just just in the last, I don't know, it, it it sort of grew on me, and then sort of last year it turned from cross dressing into just being feeling gender fluid or something. Well, this is the this is the way of all things. Just like we're moving towards, I I do believe in this country we're making a slow shift towards a more just and equal society. I think the the, the death of George Floyd is accelerating that process. The murder, the unmitigated murder by the authorities of black bodies. Yeah. Uh, that that is also. Um, the pyre upon the, which this new America might be built. But then there's this other America, these people who consume uh, products from Rupert Murdoch and other uh, people who have a lot of skin in the game and who essentially just feed them a whole bunch of crap over and over again, day in and day out. Uh, and occasionally I cross paths with these people on Facebook and I'm always aghast. I'm aghast when they... They mock people who wear masks, or they say that. Oh, all uh, of that business. I oh, know. yeah. Well, it's uh, yeah. I don't know the, the conspiracy theorists, the right wingers, the, uh, the uh, young, angry, adrenaline-pumped uh, men. Uh, it's uh, it's crazy, man. Toxic masculinity. Well, now there's a something too on social media that's being called the George Floyd challenge, where these white people are seen kneeling on some other white person's neck, usually while smiling. And in one of these pictures that they found on social media, one of these uh, white dudes was wearing a shirt that said, I can't breathe. Now, uh, Uh it looks real. You know, when, when, when I saw this, I thought, well, that I could see that happening. I could see these white people doing this because they're God awful. And um, is this like guerrilla street theater or no? This is this is horrible white people, you know, racist, pure, straight out racist and white supremacist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And actually mocking it openly in a forum Mm -hmm. where everybody can see it and not really caring that that's what they're doing. I mean, these people, if there's any justice in this world, will lose their jobs. And of course, that'll make them angrier and more bitter and. Horrible. I know. Listen, it's just going to get, I mean, wow, it's going to get worse. It's you know, is that, worse. please follow your statement with before it gets better. Because if you're just going to leave it as at it's going to get worse, then where's the hope, Richard Egan? Where's the hope? That's what I want to know. <laughs> oh, my Where's God. the hope? At the bottom of the Atlantic Ocean? Or, oh, that was the star of the sea. Isn't it ludicrous, Richard Egan, to think that now, in retrospect, Richard ne- Richard Nixon's looking like a much better person? It's horrifying because he he, he lied. He ran on this platform that he was going to end the Vietnam War, and of course, he escalated the Vietnam War. Right? He yeah, engaged course. in illegal bombing of Cambodia. I knew a truck driver who was dropped into Cambodia to run black bag operations, as he called it. And it was a horrifying, horrible thing that we did. And then when Daniel Ellsberg released the Pentagon Papers, Nixon sent a team of people to break into Daniel Ellsberg's psychiatrist's office at the Watergate complex so that they could blackmail him and that they could try to ruin him professionally. And then when they caught him doing it and Nixon tried to, you know, bribe people with money that he got from Jimmy Hoffa and the Teamsters, when they... (laughs) When they caught Nixon, because he had the taping system, he taped everything. Everything was documented. When they got him red-handed, he basically said, yeah, you're right, I'm a crook, and he stepped down. He went away, and he turned things over to Gerald Ford straight out of Michigan. And boy, wasn't that a fun time for America, the Jerry Ford Uh, years. Yes. Very much. So so Nixon, in retrospect, at least 
At the very least, he knows he can see which way the wind is blowing, that he's going to get impeached, and he steps down. Right. Now, of course, right. Donald Trump has this elaborate... I admired the timeline of Nixon's career that you just told us. That was I'm a little bit of a Richard Milhouse Nixon fan. I'll put it that I way. Was, and I, I don't mean because I think he... I, you know, he... put it all in perspective. He created uh, PBS and public radio, you know, NPR. He he freed up the yeah. money, came up with the money. That's something that the Republicans are constantly trying to kill now, because why right. should there it's be public programming? Large. That's right. Yep. Why should taxpayers pay for the programming? Why? Um, and as we said earlier, there's a huge difference between 1968's Republican Party and today's Republican Party. Today's Republican Man, Party is a death cult that is only interested in holding on to power at all costs, right. whatever that right. means. Right. And power, right. whether you gauge power as legislative power or financial power, they are trying to hang on to both. They're also trying to hang on to their white supremacy with both hands. They don't want this merry-go-round to stop because it's been good Man, to them. On fire tonight, Chris. I'm telling you, it's the specter of death. Death is all around, no need to take it. You could have a town, why don't you make it? You know, that was written by Sonny Curtis, who wrote what other song? Do you know? Uh, no, I'm afraid I don't. Buddy Holly and the Crickets? Uh, well, which one of their hits? Uh, he wrote a, hit, a song that was a Every hit. Day. No, I don't think he was involved with that one. But he did write a song that was a hit for somebody else. Isn't that? What? A, that's a great song. I like that song. That's a wonderful song. Uh, Richard Egan is my guest. We're talking about 1968 oh. versus 2020. I'm doing what they call a reset in the radio biz. I'm doing a reset. Just telling everybody who you are. Just resetting things. Oh, oh yeah. That's yeah, a, yeah. Right. You're reset. listening to... Uh, you're listening to Aerial View. No, no, no. We're not on that. This isn't that. This is the houndnyc.com. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. No, no but not, you know what I, mean. I know what you I do know what you mean. Uh, is this station dedicated to the hound? It is. It is a vintage I I don't think hound air chips. You never Well, you got to tune in once this thing is over. Once, the, once this train wreck is off the air, just stay, stay right no, there. No, I mean, uh, never heard the original hound. Well, now you will. You'll hear the original Hound. Right here on oh, thehoundnyc.com. Okay. This All is right. the home of the Hound, for God's sakes. Where and, did uh, you broadcast out of? Uh, well, it's um, Furline Fallout Shelter, somewhere in uh, Manhattan. Let's just put it uh, that way. Was he in New York, or was he in Pennsylvania? Uh, oh, well, it's the Hound NYC. Why would he be? That, that yeah, would be no, the Hound I mean, the PA. The original Hound, the, the DJ from the... Uh, uh, 50s. Well, I, I, I don't know about a hound from the 50s. I know about the hound oh, from the 90s the okay. and the 80s. Yeah. If there was another hound, I'm not aware. I'm not cognizant. Yeah, he was, uh, you'll find him in the history of rock and roll books. I wish I had that book right now. I would look at it. <laughs> I uh, believe you've got one sitting right next to the palm of your hand. Before we run out of road here on the program, um, Let's talk a little bit more about the death cult that is the GOP. Now, do you think that it is possible, in addition to winning the White House with a compromise candidate like Joe Biden, uh, my slogan for him is, hold your nose, vote for Joe. If it uh, bothers you, that's okay. It bothers a lot of people. But, you know, he's a damn sight better than what we have now. And I'm a pragmatist. I do believe... We have to do the pragmatic thing, and we have to pull this plane out of this dive before we could think yeah, about landing sounds, it. Uh, sounds rational to me, Chris. I, 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 I say vote Biden no matter how you feel. But referring to 1968, if you'd like to go back there for a second. I would. Uh, we did not have mass communic instant communication in those days. There were no immense mass demonstrations uh, in the city, like in the city like that. I mean, there were planned marches on the city, on Washington and so forth. But we all worked in affinity groups, which were just groups of friends, neighbors, students, whoever they might be. And information got developed and passed just through the streets and over the phone that way between affinity groups. So we all sort of knew what we were doing. But it was nice to be able to uh, 
have that and it's tough when we're all in lockdown and the fascists are walking the street. I, I do what I can from here because uh, I don't really want to uh, mingle with other people during a pandemic. Uh, I give right. money to worthwhile organizations. That's what I do. That's good. Too. I'm supporting. Everybody must be doing that. I'm supp- it's, you know, Everybody supp- with a couple of bucks to spare. Right. It's, uh, there's a million places to go. Support, Support with your pocketbook, the as they street. say. Uh, Richard Egan, it's been a pleasure speaking with you. I do appreciate it ah, so much. Okay. Thank you for your time. Okay, Chris. And I'm glad that we could do this. What is next for you? What's on the back burner? Uh, what, are you, what are you working on? Are you doing more carpentry now that you have a lot of time on your hands? No, not at all. Um, are you playing the to, banjo? Uh, what are you doing? Um, uh, well, I'm going to tell you. Uh, I'm making, I've just started two new art pieces. Uh, one is a portrait of the B&B carousel on Surf Avenue. And uh, one is uh, the Thunderbolt, the big arcing Thunderbolt sign, uh, the Illuminated. I love it. The one that All was right. on the Bowery. Yeah. I may have to buy one of those. And uh, so I'm doing that. I'm developing material because I've just had a new website launched. Oh, and here's a good opportunity to say that Richard Egan... R-I-C-H-A-R-D-E-A-G-A-N dot com is the launch of my new website. Not the act, the other actor, Richard Egan, who doesn't have the A. Yeah, E-A-G-A-N. Uh, that's correct, that's that's and right. he's dead. And he's dead. You're mer- right. very much alive. Someday I you am. and I will sit down and watch a Lee Marvin film together. That's what I predict. When this is all over, <laughs> what's your favorite Lee Marvin film? Oh God! Does it have to be Lee Marvin? Uh, uh, yes, absolutely. I'm. I don't. Oh no! That's the way this works. Action. Okay, what? That's the way this works. I pick the actor. You pick the film. Now, next oh, time man. we could flip it. You pick the actor, and I pick the film. But this time, Can you give me a second choice on an actor. No, I'm forcing you to choose oh. Lee Marvin. Choose a Lee Marvin film. Any yeah. Lee Marvin film. Dirty Dozen, uh, Prime yeah, Cut, Point Blank. I, the problem is that Cat, I don't see movies like that. Much. Cat Baloo, anything. No? All right, next no, time. can't do it. Richard Egan, I love you. Take care. Hey. Say hello to Liz, right. would you please? I will do. And the kids. Okay, Tom, Tom. Yeah, tell you Daisy bet. and Molly Tom. I send my love. Bye. Will do. All right, you don't... We, uh, Jesus, I hate that fucking sound. Why does it got to make that sound? Balls. It's Chris T. here on Aerial View on thehoundnyc.com and uh, we got just enough time left in the program that I'm going to try to uh, I'm going to try to place a call to Canada and uh, it should work wait a minute no Phil's calling it hey Phil I was about to call my friend Dave in in Canada what do you want Phil what's up this is David hey David yeah some kind of malfunction this is David in Canada Uh, no it's I I date David is it really because it popped up as Phil. I thought Phil was calling in. Thank you uh, yeah. for calling I, in. I, I, I was about to try to for, call you. Thanks for playing along. No, you can call your friend David. That's cool. Oh, it is Phil. What are you? Why are you <laughs> fucking with me, man? <laughs> Jesus Christ! I thought for a minute it was David. What a. All right, here we go. We're gonna call Toronto. What? Can I have a little dialing music? A little dialing. You got any dialing music? You got those doo-wops on vinyl? What are you, from another planet? <laughs> Suck my balls. <coughs> Just making up Hello. words. Hey, David. How's it going? All the way up there in Toronto, Canada, Ontario. Yes. I can't complain. How about yourself? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. We uh, were talking the other day. It's been a while, but, you know, I've been on this whole project to restore uh, phones in our house, and I've been calling people on this phone from the 1940s that weighs about eight pounds. If you drop this phone on your foot, you will break your foot. There is no doubt about it. So uh, whatever you do, do not drop that phone. Uh, Okay. Uh, so we spoke the other day, and it's funny that we spoke the other day because we spoke like a day before 
this Justin Trudeau story that went around the world in mere seconds when he paused <laughs> for 21 seconds after being asked uh, what he thought about what was happening in the United States. On live yeah. television, he paused, he fumfered, he laughed, and then he tried to answer the question. What did he say, by the way? Ah, uh, geez, I, I'm strictly para uh, paraphrasing it, but it's something along the lines of, we look on with great, and this is my Trudeau imitation, by the way, with uh, great uh, intrepidation and uh, concern with what we see unfolding in um, the United States. Holy moly! And I think that was it. I think that was it. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's how he how he mustered it. But and he managed not to mention the photographs that emerged of him in brownface and blackface. So that's good. Well, that that's ancient stuff, though. Know. You know, he yeah. already won. He they he already won an election even with that. I mean, that gives you an idea of how bad the candidates for the Conservative Party, which is kind of like our equivalent of the Republican Party, but from what I understand. Our conservatives make Bernie Sanders seem like he is a Nazi. So, or no, bad phrasing. It makes Bernie Sanders seem like he is a right wing fanatic. So that's better. that's how that's about how different our politics are. Yeah, in Canada, oddly enough, they believe in the power of collective action. Like they are unified, even though they're disparate provinces, and they speak several languages officially. They still manage to pull together when they they face a challenge, and there's a certain sort of unity. Is that uh, why is that? Is that because Fox News doesn't really have a, a Canadian analog? It has none. It has yeah. none. In fact, um, Fox News, although it is now, you know, it's available by cable. I can turn it on right now and, and watch what's going on. But um, a Canadian broadcasting company tried to start something called like a Fox, quote unquote, Fox North. And it failed because nobody would tune in for the stuff because they just don't have the, there are not enough people that are angry white people to sustain a, a network. It's just not the way this country works. However, in Canada, a recent survey found that 30% of Canadians who identify themselves as um, supporters of the Conservative Party of Canada say that Trump would be a better prime minister than Trudeau is for Canada. So that leads you to understand that we have our own whack jobs here, a lot of them. I do believe that's true. I mean, not, you know, it's, it's funny because um, there's been a rightward tilt in a lot of places in the world over the past uh, however many years you want to go back, but that includes Canada. There are people who you know, are are veering towards authoritarianism because authoritarianism is easy. You know, you just follow the orders from on top. You listen to the beloved leader. You don't question the beloved leader. You come up with some enemies that are easy to hate so you can focus your rage. It is really, but it's an unsustainable system. It, it can't be sustained. And I think we're seeing that now in America. Yeah, I I, I, I really hope that is what's happening. I mean, like, it hasn't been since we were kids. Like, yeah. Sorry. I, sorry to the audience. I'm aging myself. But when I was a child was the last time I saw protests like that in the streets. And I, I'm sorry, I'm not referring to things like Rodney King or when the, the Eagles won the Super Bowl. I'm referring to, like, genuine, well, I'm referring to the 1960s riots that, well, I mean, Newark was devastated by those riots in 1967, and it's interesting to see the way Newark has responded during these days of rage, these nights of protest that are happening in 140 cities across the United States, some of them uh, where there have been documented infiltrators from the Boogaloo Boys, for Christ's sakes, whatever the fuck that Correct. is. Now we got to deal with these douchebags who come along trying to stir up shit and they're like shit stirrers from way back. That's all they want to do is stir up some shit. And in some cases, they've been successful. They just kind of walk around quietly smashing windows so shops can get looted, that kind of thing. Uh, do you have any analog for these assholes in Canada? Because I'm willing to bet uh, you don't. 
We don't actually. We don't. That at least none that um, were have enough. No, not that I'm at least none that I'm aware of. What I found really interesting about the Boogaloo Boys is finding out that uh, you know the historic church, uh, sorry, the historic courthouse that was torched in Nashville. They caught the guy who did it, and he is not only a white guy who is a skinhead, but he's covered in Aryan Nation tattoos. Okay, and we also know that in um, in uh, uh, Las Vegas, they apprehended a bunch of boogaloo boys that were actually inciting violence. So this whole narrative that it's these Antifa people, I'm not saying there aren't uh, there aren't anarchists and ne'er do wells. Uh, that aren't necessarily associated with white supremacy. They may just have their own effed up agenda and they may be out there. And, you know, in Montreal, there were giant riots and this famed music store actually had their windows trashed and people running out with like Les Pauls under their arms and stuff Ooh, like that. Oh my God. Those guys weren't there to, to they, they weren't, they weren't there for Black Lives Matter. They were there just because, you know, it's, they're, it's free they're, stuff Friday. They're, they're guys that like to dress. They, they're guys that dress in black and they like to protest. And yeah, no, I, 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 who doesn't like a nice Liz Paul, oh, especially a free one? Please, I mean, come on. Well, seriously, I, I, I can't. Yeah, give me that Liz Paul. Oh man, that's nice. That Liz Paul. But no, actually, one of them was like a uh, 40, fourteen thousand dollar guitar, and the guy actually went to return it. And as he got went to return it, he got arrested. Like, oh, well, no, sir, I'm, it's, I'm it's sorry. Nice that you're returning it. Yeah, right, but yeah. they said, "Where are the other it. two that you stole?" Too? Oh, yeah. he's bringing back one. That's very clever. Keep three, yeah. uh, or, or whatever yeah. it was. Yeah. yeah. Um, all yeah. right. Listen, we're out of road. I really do appreciate you. Uh, I, I like to call this call from Canada. What do you think of that? Eh? Maybe we could do it every <laughs> once in a while, and then I can get That'd a moose great. sound in there. Call I'm, from I'm Canada. Happy. I'm happy. I'm happy to share. I mean, the main the main thing really is. I mean, we've got we do have racial problems here in Canada. There's no saying that we don't. But and there are different areas of the city that have pockets, and very, and it's like stepping into uh, a pocket of the U.S. No, and but, but it, Toronto is widely recognized as a very multicultural city and one that is very much about diversity and respect for everybody. And Canada as a oh, whole totally. has been far, far ahead on this issue, among many others, including national health care than the United States. In many ways, some of us uh, members of the, uh, you know, some, of, some U.S. citizens, some members of the... The disenchanted class. Look at Canada and we go, secretly we go, why can't we be more like Canada? So now well, we're in a position where we're U.S. citizens and we envy Canada. So figure that one out. I think well, you know. I think it's good. Yeah. Uh, listen, I, uh, do you know the songwriter Sonny Curtis who wrote Love is All Around, the theme from the Mary Tyler Moore show? Do you know, sure. Do you know any other songs he might have written, Sonny Curtis, who was in the crickets? No, I no. don't. You don't, uh, you don't know this one here? No, 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 no. No kidding. Oh, yeah, Sonny Curtis wrote, I fought the law. Nice. Uh, thank you so much again. I do appreciate you it. Take- David, I don't know what to call you. David from Canada. What? 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 What, what do you yeah, prefer? Yeah, David. David from Canada. Is good. David from Canada. Take off, you hoser. I'm sorry, Phil. We're not going to get to you today. I feel like shit. I really do for saying that. But we're at a road. This is thehoundnyc.com, where you can find me, Chris T, every Friday, 6 p.m. Eastern time, with a brand new hound howl. Wait a minute, what am I saying? With a brand new aerial view. Hound howls are Sundays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time. And then 5 p.m. is crashing the party. And uh, I'll be back again. This show turns into a podcast between those two. And you can enjoy it as a podcast. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, everywhere. Spotify, Stitcher, all that crap. 